0: Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. blessed us with an amazing couple and Corey and Nisa Lehman and they have been such a blessing to this body we love you both deeply and sincerely and uh, this morning I invited uh, Nisa to come share a word with us she has been faithful many times behind the scenes, sometimes up here. But no doubt, this woman, it knows Jesus, loves Jesus, and wants to share Jesus with you. So stand to your feet one time and give it up for my sister, Nisa Layman. everybody. Come on. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Tony. Thank you. I loved walking in here today. I love the atmosphere. It feels like revival. It feels like the river of living water, whoosh, flowing through the throne, from the throne into our sanctuary, into this valley. Everywhere that river goes, there's life and there's healing. So Lord, I just thank you for the release of your spirit today. Lord, take me out of the way. Take my idea of what you want to do today out of the way. Not by my might or power, but by your Spirit. Speak through me to every heart, every spirit in this room. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Remind us today of everything the Father has given us and spoken to us. Holy Spirit, come and have your way and lead us into truth. Holy Spirit, come and comfort. Come and heal. Come and give wisdom. Holy Spirit, come and have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So um, we, in youth group, we've been uh, studying the end times and revelations. We asked the kids at the beginning of the year, so what do you want to learn about this year? And they said the end times, and I'm like, oh, no, that's a heavy study to put together. <laughs> so we've been diving deep in it and been doing that. Um, but um, we ended up reading Matthew 24, which goes through a timeline of the end times. It, Jesus, um, the disciples asked Jesus, so what are the signs of the times, of your coming and um, your uh, return and the end of the age? And Jesus said um, a whole chapter full of what are the signs <laughs> in the end times and birth pains and things like that. And immediately following that chapter, Matthew 24, um, they he talks about parables on preparing and getting ready for the end of the uh, end of the age and the end times and Matthew 24 starts with the first parable, with the ten virgins, and that's the parable that I felt like the Lord uh, led me to to speak on today. And we're going to kind of dive deep, and we're going to be a little word heavy. <laughs> so I did a lot of slides up there. Um, so just uh, put on your seatbelts and Holy Spirit, take over. <laughs> so, but we are in the context of this. We are closer to the end than we've ever been before. It's more port- important than it was yesterday that we are ready. It's important that we are ready. Um, So let's, without further ado, I just want to dive into the scripture. So we're going to read Matthew 25 together. Okay. It's going to be up on the screen. You can turn in your Bibles too. the 10 vir- the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut later the others also came lord lord they said open the door for us but he replied truly i tell you i don't know you therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour i want to first just explain the context of this back in the times where jesus was the wedding customs were well known these were wedding customs that they lived through so the first stage of the um wedding customs they're going to be up on the screen um i think they're having trouble there they are um is the first one is the betrothal so back then they had arranged marriages parents would sign up a bridal contract and they the bridegroom meaning the groom, would pay a dowry, and then they would be engaged. They would be betrothed. And so usually about a year would pass, and the bridegroom would go home. He would go a lot of times to his father's house, build a room, and prepare it. And then there would be a bridal uh, procession. And it wasn't known exactly the day. It could be a surprise or exactly the hour, that the the groom would come but the bride would know he's coming so she would be prepared with her handmaidens and it would happen at night usually at midnight and so the groom with all his groomsmen would come down with torches in the middle of the night and to the bride's house and say come out come out the bridegroom is here <laughs> and so the virgins would get up get their lamps And go out. So, this was a custom that they had, and then they would go out, and then the next phase was the marriage supper of the Lamb. So, much of this also alludes to our relationship with the Lord because we are betrothed to the Lord. When we put our faith in Christ, we are engaged to Christ. The scriptures talk about how He is our husband. He is our husband, and we are engaged, we're betrothed to Christ. And it then talks about how the procession comes and Jesus comes. And a lot of the end times passages talks about the rapture. The bridegroom coming to take his church away. The rapture and his second coming of Christ. That's what this scripture is talking about. That's what this whole wedding customs talking about. So many Jewish customs really shadow or are foretelling of what Jesus is going to do. And so, and then our dowry was paid for. Each and every one of you were paid for. You were bought by the blood of Jesus. You were paid for. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus has gone away to prepare a place for us, right? A house for us. And then we will have the marriage supper of the Lamb and then you talk there's other parables in matthew that talk about the marriage supper of the lamb where many are invited but many didn't come they were too busy they weren't ready so many of the parables about jesus coming are so many of us aren't ready so that's what this is about i want to be ready Do you want to be ready? I want to be ready (laughs) for him to come. But we're going to dive deep into this parable and kind of break it out um, here. So let's just identify what's what in this parable, okay? So um, the bridegroom is Jesus. The ten virgins are believers. They know the bridegroom and all are waiting for his coming. They all also had lamps, the wise ones and the foolish ones they all had lamps okay the foolish took no oil with them the wise and the prudent virgins the wise took oil with them along with their lamps the only difference between the foolish and the wise is that they took oil along with them see the only difference they all became tired all of them did all of them fell asleep jesus was a long time in coming can not you say 2,000 years is a long time in coming? (laughs) And we get tired and weary of waiting for him to come. Is he really going to come? You know, how much, you know, is it going to happen tomorrow? Is it going to happen in 50 years from now? We don't know. We don't know. But I do know we want to be ready. We want to be ready. The foolish said to the, the prudent, give us some of your oil for our lamps." are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some oil for yourselves. So I want to kind of break this apart. So let's start with the lamp. Okay. I want us to read a verse. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inmost parts of our being. I'd never seen this verse before until I started studying. (laughs) I'd never seen it. Did you know that you have a spirit? Did you know that you are spirit? You are spirit. You have a spirit. Isn't that amazing? And our spirits are the lamp that are meant to be filled with oil and to burn. And we're going to break that apart a little bit later. But there's other scriptures that talk about the eye is the lamp of the body. So our eye is a lamp. Have you ever looked in somebody's eye and gone, you see light or you don't see light? Have you ever seen that? The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is, a, is sound, your entire body will be full of light. Another one that talks about us being a light is you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are meant to be a light. We were created to be a light. We were given spirits to light. And it also talks about in Revelation, the seven lampstands of the church. They are the churches. The church is a lamp. Individually and corporately, we are a lamp meant to shine. So here's another scripture I want to talk about and read. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. We were spirit first. Because we didn't have flesh before we were formed in the womb. We didn't have a soul, a mind, a will, or emotions in the natural world. But he knew us. And when you break out that word new, when you break that out, the word new, yada, this word is much more than new of. New of God. It's new by experience. Know in all your heart and all your souls. Imagine that kind of relationship. God had a relationship with you before you ever came to this earth. Isn't that crazy to think about? It feels out there. But we, we serve a supernatural God. We were meant to be spiritual, spirit, way before we had a body. Way before. And many of us think, well, I'm not very spiritual. Maybe they're spiritual. I'm sorry, I got news for you. All of us were created to be very spiritual. The spirit came first. The spirit came first. I know you may never have thought of this. There's a little out there. I didn't think of it either till I started studying this. But think about creation. Okay, we're all made in the image of God, and we're going to get into that actually a little bit more. But think about creation. The whole Trinity was there in creation, wasn't he? Jesus spoke. He was the word. What did the Spirit do in creation? It hovered over a massless nothing. The Holy Spirit hovered. Well, when you were just a sperm and an egg, Holy Spirit hovered. <laughs> he blew your spirit into your womb, into the womb of your mom. Your spirit is hovering over the creation of your brain, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your body. Think about that. Your spirit is meant to lead. Your spirit is meant to be first. But many times, we're not trained that way, and from right from the womb, we're, we're relating to each other, to our children, through the flesh, you know, our mind, our will and emotions. But how many of us actually speak and feed the spirit to our children, grow the spirit man first, so that they grow up with the spirit in charge first, and then everything is in the right alignment as we are meant to be spiritual. I want to read a few more verses just to convince you that he knew you beforehand. Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning, ordaining them to be molded into the image of his Son, and share inwardly his likeness, that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. Think about that. (laughs) For those whom he foreknew, he knew beforehand, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand. Mind-blowing. Whoa. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Let's read Ephesians 1 4 through 5 for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will he chose you before the foundations of the world your spirit existed with God in God before the foundations of the world amazing We were created, it says, in his image. What is the image of our God? If you turn to the next slide, you'll see that God is three in one, isn't he? God is three in one. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are created in the image of God. You are a spirit first. You live in a body. You have a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions. We are three in one, just like God is three in one. Isn't that amazing? And you dig even deeper, just like, whoa, you're so amazing, God. Because you can see your likeness, who you are inside of all of creation. I want to talk a little bit deeper about the spirit, soul, and body. There's a lot of scriptures, you'll, if you study it out. Scripture talks about your spirit. It's a different word, whether it be Greek or Hebrew. It talks about your soul. It's a different word, whether Greek or Hebrew. They're different. There are three in one. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 shares that. It talks about all three in one verse. We, we know what our body is, right? We're all pretty clear on that. This is our body right here, right? And our body... Is physical, tangible in this world. Our body interacts with this world through our five senses, right? It interacts through the real world here, okay? Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our spirit is something of a mystery, isn't it? It's a little bit of a mystery, and not all of us really realize that we actually have a spirit. Our spirit is the part of us that interacts with God. When we receive the Lord, our spirit does not get replaced by the Holy Spirit. Your spirit unites with the spirit of the Lord. Your spirit and the Holy Spirit become one. Your spirit lights up. Your spirit gets plugged into the power source. Your light turns on before it was off. See, when you read um, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. That's your salvation. You become one with him in spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell and live in you. But the spirit does not always reach the body and the mind, the will and the motions, does it? Our spirit... When it's, you know, united with the Lord, it's joy, peace, love, and righteousness. But are our emotions that way all the time? <laughs> Do our bodies reflect that all the time? No. So our souls, our mind, our will, and emotions get influenced either by our body. Who gets hangry? Right? Who gets uh, pretty angry at the, uh, (laughs) you know, that time of the month, (laughs) your hormones affect you, right? Your hormones affect you. Whether you sleep, I get weepy when I get tired. I mean, when you're sick, your body affects your mind and your will and your emotions. If you're hungry, what are you thinking about? Right? If, If you're tired... You can't really think straight sometimes. Sometimes your emotions go out of control. Usually that's when the enemy hits, when you get triggered and you're tired and you have no filter and the junk in your soul comes on out. (laughs) That's what happens to me. So our souls, our mind, our will, and our emotions are influenced by our body in a big way. But our mind and our will emotions can be influenced by the spirit if it's allowed. Whatever you feed will be the thing empowered. Are you feeding your mind, your will, and emotions with things that are temporal? How many of us reach for a bucket of ice cream when you're sad or Netflix? Really? I do. (laughs) That's my go-to all all the my things are coming out here. (laughs) Those are my weaknesses. (laughs) So like, but that's, what do we go to? Do we turn to God, to the spirit to fill those needs? Or do we turn to the physical things? What are we turning to? And you don't, those things are not bad at all. And God gave us all things for enjoyment. So this isn't a, you must never eat ice cream. You must love God and depend on Him forever. No, God gives everything for enjoyment. But what what is the main thing? What are you feeding? What are you depending on? What are we going to first? That's what He wants. He wants our spirits to be awakened. For our spirits to lead and to govern. That's what God wants. I've just been talking, and where am I in my notes? (laughs) But we can all attest to we need the Holy Spirit. And you know, our souls, our mind, will, and emotions get affected by what we walk through in this world, too. If we sin, our souls get wounded. If we are sinned against, our souls get wounded. If we experience trauma, a death, a loss, a fire, you know, all abuse. We, we walk through this world and we get very wounded. And oftentimes what you do when you get wounded is you cut those things off. It's survival. You talk to any children who have been abused um, or as they grow up. Oftentimes, those things are portioned off for survival. You like kind of cut them off. They call it fragmentation when you get into psychology and things and even inner healing. You, you for survival's sake, you go, this part of me is never going to be touched again. Anybody have that happen? Anybody feel like that? So you even cut it off from God in the life source. And God wants to get into every bit of those places because you are not fully lit up. You're not fully empowered. You're living with a limp and a wound if you don't let Holy Spirit in to those places. He wants every bit of your souls, your mind, your will, and emotions. Because don't you know it? That's probably one of the biggest reasons for relational conflict, marriage breakups. Everything that you deal with relationally is usually due to brokenness in both parties. And usually both parties get married to something that triggers something else. And the other wounded. And so you're wounding back and forth. And there's no healing. (laughs) Until you allow Holy Spirit to get into that wounded place. And we're going to talk more about that a little bit later. So let's get into, so we talked about the spirit, okay, the lamp in the in the parable. Let's get to the oil. Holy Spirit is the oil. There's a lot of verses. It's kind of a common symbolism, but I'm just going to give you a few. You can do a deep dive in this at another time. But I'm going to just read a few verses. Um, Luke 4.18 and Isaiah 61 both say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And it goes on to say to preach good news, to set captives free, to heal the blind. It goes on and on and on to say that. What the Spirit of the Lord's purpose is to come upon you and to anoint you. Each and every one of you. And then there's another verse in Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went on to heal, cast out demons and things. All sorts of things Jesus did, right? That word anointing, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Greek. You can look it up in the Strong's Concordance if you want to. But the word anointing is to anoint by rubbing or pouring olive oil on someone to represent the flow, empowering of the Holy Spirit. Anointing literally involves rubbing of olive oil on the head, etc. Especially to present someone as divinely authorized or appointed by God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's anointed you with oil to authorize you to be his hands and feet in this world, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to set the captives free. Right? Right? Why aren't we doing it? (laughs) Why aren't we doing it? So we're clear that the oil is the anointing, okay? We need... Oil in our lamps. A lamp is just a vessel, right? Back in the day, it was a clay vessel. It's just a simple clay vessel filled with oil and then ignited. And it burned. Your lamp needs oil to burn, to shine, to be empowered, to shed light, to release light, to release power. Light is power. Light is power. We're meant to burn. Your spirit is meant to be mixed with oil, united with oil. It's in the place of uniting with the Holy Spirit that ignites power. It's a place of relationship, of uniting with the Lord. That's what He's longing for. He wants to come. And talk with you, unite with you, mix with you and all that you are. And it's when those join, it lights up with fire. You're empowered. See, it's all about relationship. John 4.23 says, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers... All worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. God the Father is seeking you to worship in spirit and truth. Do you know that word worship? That word worship is much more than singing like this. That word worship is about an intimate marital relationship with the Lord. He wants you to unite, to love him, to kiss towards the Lord. It's one of the meanings of worship, to kiss towards the Lord. He wants to have that kind of relationship with you. He's seeking for you to have that relationship with him. 2 Corinthians four seven. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Do you know you were meant to be made from dirt? You were meant to be frail he put this treasure of your spirit in a weak vessel he did it on purpose because he wants to shine his glory through you you don't have to make yourself perfect shine yourself up so that you can shine the light no you just need to go to god you just need to go god i need you fill me and then he does the filling, and he shines out. And so, what if in the shining, all your cracks are seen? Right? You can see right through a crackpot, can't you? A crackpot. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so one of the key things about this verse, uh, about this parable, is not only so one we are spirit, we're lamp that needs oil. We need oil. But we have to get our own oil. We have to get our own oil. Let's read that, Matthew 25, 8 through 9. I think I misquoted. It's Matthew 25. We're still in the parable there. The foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. It seems selfish, doesn't it? Why wouldn't they help them? Their oil was too valuable. The coming of the king was too valuable. They were not going to miss it. They weren't going to miss it. It is something... We cannot borrow from someone else you have to get the oil yourself you can't depend on somebody else's anointing to fill you it's this relationship you and him you and him you and him don't get me wrong we need the body of Christ right we need the laying on of hands Right? Even in scripture, there's a the laying on of hands. That's how they first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you need that. Sometimes you need that to kickstart it. Sometimes when you're going through hard times, you need the laying on of hands. So it doesn't mean we don't need each other. It doesn't mean you can't get some oil. It comes from God, but it comes through the prayer, right, of these people praying and laying hands on you. But you cannot be walking around with Pastor Tony on your head, laying his hand on your head all day long going to work right? (laughs) His arms would get pretty tired and then never mind how many arms he'd need, (laughs) right? So like we can, you can be, you know, lay your hands on and something happens, you receive the Holy Spirit, but that can't be your continual filling, right? It needs, you need to get it yourself from the Lord in relationship with him. It can't be borrowed. And it's really interesting to me that it talks about buying the oil. I've never quite, this, this parable, it's still a mystery to me. I don't fully get this. This is just what I've gotten diving into it, right? But it's still a mystery to me. But buying oil, how do you buy oil? How do you buy it? Because even in, um, where was it? Um, Acts 8, they prayed for the new believers. Oh, no, not that one. Acts 8, 18 through 23. Simon offered money for the Holy Spirit. He wanted to buy it. So that everyone on whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. Peter said, you thought you could buy the gift of God with money? So we're not talking about buying this gift with money. A lot of us spend money on, maybe not so much here, but some of the body of Christ spends a lot of money going to conferences trying to get some oil, (laughs) right? Spend a lot of money trying to get some oil. But it's got to come from the Lord. But why does it say buy? I mean, freely we've received the Holy Spirit, right? Freely we give. Why does it say buy? Buy. And then why wouldn't they be willing to give? You know, there's other places in the scripture where Matthew 13, it talks about the field. Someone found a field with treasure in it. And they sold all that they had just for that treasure. They weren't going to be selling that to anybody. (laughs) They were keeping it. The pearl of great price, the same thing. There's a verse in Proverbs, it talks about buy the truth and do not sell it. So if everybody's buying and nobody's selling, how do you buy it? (laughs) Where do you buy it? Where do you get it from? Isaiah 55 is a real key scripture to that. It, It doesn't specifically talk about oil. It's in there a little bit, hinted. But it does talk about buying spiritual things, and I think it gives us a lot of insight into this. So let's go ahead and read it together. Isaiah 55 1 through 3, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, you have no money, come, buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. So it says in, here, in the scripture, come buy and eat with no money. So it's not physical money we're talking about buying with. Why spend your money and labor on what does not satisfy? So how does this scripture tell us to buy? What is repeated over and over again in the scripture? Listen. Listen to me. Give ear. Come to me. Listen that you may live. Listen that you may live. Because man does not live by bread alone. Man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He wants you to listen. That's how you buy. It costs you something. The oil costs you something. The oil is something of great value. How much do you want it? What is it worth to you? Are you able to lay down the cares of your day to stop and to listen to the Lord? He wants to speak to you. You don't need to be spiritual I mean, yes, you do need to be spirit. We're spirit. (laughs) What I mean is, you're not like some special supernatural spiritual person. You were created in God's image to have a spirit. You are his sheep. Sheep are dumb animals. (laughs) I think he related us to them on purpose. Sheep are very fearful animals. Sheep get sick really easy. But we're his sheep. We hear his voice, and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. You were meant to live listening, coming to God and hearing his voice. Actively, continually listening to him, coming to him, hearing his voice. That's what he wants for you. See, it all comes down to intimacy and relationship with the Lord, doesn't it? Many of us go to God to pray, But do we sit there and expect an answer? I know in my busy life, I've been struggling with that more than ever in my life right now. Really, sitting down, am I expecting, am I listening? Or am I just going on my own here? He wants to speak to you. He wants you to give him everything. Bring everything to him, come to him. In verse 2, it says, and you will eat and delight yourself in the richest affair. If you come to him, if you listen to him, if you give ear to him, you seek him, you will eat and delight yourself in the richest affair. You know, what's so cool about this word, richest affair, that the word means abundance, fatness. In other words, oil, (laughs) isn't that amazing? Listen, and he'll give you oil. Let's keep on reading um, this scripture a little bit further, because there's more keys to this. Let the wicked forsake their ways, and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord... He will have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, it costs us something, right? It's an exchange. It's a trade. Are you willing to trade your thoughts for his thoughts? Are you willing to trade, exchange your ways for his ways? Are you willing to turn to him? Repent. Repent means turn. Are you willing? Because the amount you're willing to repent, to exchange your thoughts, your ways for his ways, is the extent you will have oil. But many of us want to keep it Okay, God, you're great. It's nice coming on Sunday, but I'm not going to, you know, I don't want you all involved and all up in my stuff. I just want to live my life. I want to do what I want to do. But God does not want that. If you love him, you will obey him. But his commands are not burdensome when you love him. Because when you love him, you know that what he's asking of you What he's speaking to you is for the sake of love. Because when it all comes down to it, every command is all summed up in love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. God is about love. And if it's sinful, it's because it's not loving. If it's sinful, it's because it's not loving you're not either loving or respecting your relationship with God or you're not loving and respecting your relationship with each other. When we realize that his commands aren't burdensome, he's not meant to put a heavy yoke on you. He's wanting you to be fully free, to experience the joy. See, our sin weighs us down. It tangles us up. It keeps us from living the fullness of life. It keeps us from trusting God. A lot of sin is about us not trusting God and taking care of things ourselves, our sexual needs, our physical needs. Are you taking care of yourself? Or are you going to trust God with those things? This world is so rampant with that. It's hard. But are you going to trust God with those things? What about anxiety? that's pretty hard. I'm just an anxious person. I just worry a lot. That's what I I am. That's what I do. Okay, but you weren't created that way. You're not meant to stay that way. You're meant to exchange your anxiety and get something else. I just live in depression. Well, he wants you to exchange that For something else and there are good reasons for depression and there are good reasons for anxiety i'm not knocking that down but you need to get down to the root of why where's it coming from is it a spiritual thing that just is the way our family operates passed down from one thing to another and i learned this way of thinking this way of reacting from my family is it in response to trauma god cares he wants to heal those places. He wants to take those places. I personally, this is just where, where God, where I operate, I guess. But th- that's the most powerful place to encounter God is in the exchange. That's the most powerful place in ministry I see. You know, when one of my youth went through major trauma. And I asked, what's the thing that you're dealing with? right now the most she said guilt and i said okay what do you you, let's give that to jesus and i said do you see jesus she said yeah i see him and he's there with open arms and and i said what do you want to do with that why don't you give that to jesus and she did and she said he took it and he hugged me and then i said okay now where what does jesus say to you And I forget what he said, something, I think loved. He says, I'm loved, you're loved, not guilty. You exchange the thought. When you do that in a real exchange with God, he's real, he's not fake. He's real. And he really wants to exchange things so that you don't take them up again. And it's only in an encounter you experience, you know by experience that you actually make an exchange and you can walk away from it changed. And I asked her, so where is your sin now? I see it buried in a grave with a tombstone on it. This is a youth who is not trained or spiritual to hear God's voice. We just took something real big to Jesus and said, Jesus, we need you. You need to take this and exchange it. You know, you've heard my story, Corey's and I, walking through this fertility stuff, <laughs> hardest walk we've been through <laughs> i've ever been through you know and one of the biggest issues that i was dealing with was self-hatred because my body was betraying itself but you know what that self-hatred was started way before when my mom committed suicide and decided to leave us with alone and then i'm abused it opened the door, left, me, left things vulnerable, and then I was abused. That caused more self-hatred. And then the enemy just, this is what happens. He builds to compound the wound, right? To make it a stronghold. A repeated hurt in the same area builds a brick wall, keeping you thinking you're protected, <laughs> but you're not. You've been isolating yourself from the Lord. And this is a deep core one. Sometimes those deep core ones, when you grow up from little, are very hard to exchange. They're very hard to recognize on your own. So they're not always things you just can easily do. Sometimes you need the help of others to help pray you through those things. And sometimes it takes a long time. I was very aware of it. But self-hatred and, like, poor Corey, if I hate myself, if I don't love myself, I'm not loving him well right? It's coming out. The same demands that I put on myself because I was so angry put on other people. That See how directly these wounds affect our relationships and affect how we walk? And I had to just keep going, okay, God, it keeps coming up. I need to exchange this. I need to exchange this. It wasn't, for me, it wasn't a miraculous moment. This is years of me walking with this, Right? exchanging it. I'm going to exchange it because this is not how you created me to be. This does not line up with truth. Are you willing to just accept that and you're going to walk and live in this place of woundedness and limping and just accept it? Or are you going to go, God, no, 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 this is not what you want from me. I do want to exchange this. I'm going to exchange this I need you to do this for me. Fill me up. See, we need the power, that exceedingly great power that is within each and every one of us who believe. That exceedingly great power is dunamis power, the resurrection power of God. That word dunamis sounds like dynamite for a reason. That word dunamis also means to make us excellent of soul. That exceedingly great power, that Holy Spirit power, that oil, that anointing power is not just for you to go around and heal people. If you haven't been set free, you can't set other people free. You need to be comforted first. You need the Holy Spirit to set you free first. You need to do this. And then you'll be able to comfort and set free with the comfort you've been comforted with. He wants to set you free. He wants you to have an exchange. But are you willing to do it? It's not hard. It's just a taking it to the Lord. And you know, after years of doing this, I started reading a book, you know, just to feed my mind exchange my thoughts build feed my spirit so that my spirit will be strong enough to overcome a bondage and a stronghold that I've dealt with my whole life so i just kept reading and and during one of these times my soul was ready and i remember i was praying and i just went i'm taking off this garment of self-hatred i'm taking off this garment of self-rejection i'm taking off this unloving thing i'm taking it off and in I was just ready for the real exchange. I've been trying for years, and I'm walking around after not having children, miscarriage, one obstacle after another, and I'm walking around more joyful than I've been in a long time. I can't explain that, you know? But it's, it's still a struggle. I still catch myself going into the flesh, right? Going into despair. I'm looking at our finance. I'm looking at everything going, Lord, this seems impossible. It keeps seeing more and more impossible. And, you know, then you look at everybody sleeping around and having somebody else's baby. And I'm like, I was a missionary my whole life. I've I've never been with anybody but Corey. (laughs) And I can't have a baby. (laughs) You know, like, Lord. (laughs) But I've got to exchange that and go, Lord. give it to the Lord give it to the Lord give it to the Lord and when you do but, in, but I share that story because it's not always easy you know it's not always easy I want to read Galatians 5 wow I probably need to write right up don't I Pastor Tony well we're halfway through so, <laughs> do you guys bring some snacks and some lunch? <laughs> All right. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? I think we can just end it there in exchange. One thing in this parable that it says it says, Those who were wise had oil, those who were foolish did not. And it said at the end there, they went to go get their oil. But they were too late. They were too late. And then they come back, and Jesus said, I never knew you. Whoa. He wants a relationship with you, not a borrowed Holy Spirit not a body that comes and sits in church he wants this active being filled there's the scripture that says be ever filled with the holy spirit see our oil burns up and you need to be refilled you need to be refilled sometimes you need to spend a long time on your knees praying But sometimes all it is, is you start to feel your flesh come out, your impatience, your anger, your depression, your worry, whatever. You're doing dishes. And it's an exchange. Go, Holy Spirit, take this. Fill me. I need you. You can be going about your day. You can do this all day. He's with you. When you feel yourself tired, burnt out, being triggered in your emotions. That's a good indication you need some filling, right? He wants to fill you and keep you filled and set you free. He wants to speak to you. So go to him. Listen to him.